Before the sermon plays, I want to take a minute and tell you about a free resource that I'm really excited about. At Creekside, it is our goal to experience and express God's glory. One of the ways that we aim to do this is through personal sanctification, which is a fancy way of saying growing in our relationships with God. It's clear that this can be especially difficult during the Christmas season because it's so busy. And so this year, we produced a devotional booklet that is a companion to the series of sermons we're doing, one of those sermons you're about to listen to. The booklet is filled with 150 to 200 word writings that hopefully will help you to think about the birth of Jesus and the glory of God. And you can get one of those devotional booklets for free. You can get a hard copy by coming to one of our services in the month of December. But if that's not something you're able to do or ready to do, you can get an electronic version by going to wilsonville.church slash Gloria Booklet. That's wilsonville.church slash Gloria Booklet. I do think those will be a great resource for you, and I hope that you will get one. And now I hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. I like doing these dedications around Christmas because, uh, because one, Jesus' birth, right? And how dedicated was he to, to God? I mean, uh, I know that we all can't be Jesus and our kids can't be Jesus, but, but frankly, like, if Jesus doesn't live a life completely devoted to God, then, then history is vastly different, and we who are Christians are still in our sins and if Mary and Joseph, is the other part I like, if Mary and Joseph don't commit to raising Jesus in the Lord, well, they probably wouldn't have been picked for such an important task. And let me tell you one of my great fears. Well, I'll tell you two. One, I'm super scared my kids are going to choke. I don't know why. That's unimportant to the sermon. Uh, number two, big fear, real fear, super, like, just this is honest. I'm not just saying this is a fear. This is a very real fear for me. I fear that someday I will have to make a decision about how to counsel parents, my children. Uh, and the decision will be this. Do I encourage them to do the safe, normal, easy, successful thing? Or do I encourage them to glorify God. Now you might say and that a lot of people would preach it this way, but you might say, well, that's pretty much the same thing, right? But I know too much. I'm not an idiot. No matter what some famous preachers will tell you, uh, being a Christian and living for Jesus does not lead to the safe, easy Thing that will make us worldly successful, successful in the world's eyes. It's just not, it's not true when people tell us that. And so I envision this decision where my, my daughter looks at me and says, Dad, I want to go to the Middle East and be a missionary. I want to go to a country to tell people about Jesus where they don't like women, where you can probably get away with treating women horribly, and where I might be killed for my faith. I think that's what God wants me to do. I think that's what will glorify God. What should I do? Because you know what I want to answer? Like, ah, just become a lawyer. You know, like, that's a way better option, right? Pay for my retirement. Let's get on with life. But I, but I know better. And I know what I'll need to do 
my son looks at me and says the same thing. Like, I think about men. There's men all over the world in prisons right now being tortured because they love Jesus and chose to tell other people about Jesus. And what will I say when Hudson looks at me and says, should I go? It's going to come down to one question. It's going to come down to this question. Do I believe it's actually worth it? Do I believe that glorifying God, do I believe that living a life for Jesus, do I believe that, that being all in on serving Jesus no matter what it costs us on earth, is it actually worth it? When I look into my kids' eyes and I want the absolute best for them, is it best just to become a lawyer or is it best to go get tortured because you love Jesus? This is a hard question and it just begs this other question, is it worth it? Is it worth it? And I think that the book of Revelation, it, it just answers that question for us. It answers that question for us. We've been talking about God's glory in this series and how sometimes God is glorious. He's just uniquely better than all of us in his power, in his might, in his morality, in his treatment of human beings. He's just better than us. And we've seen that God expresses that glory to us and it's our job then to express that glory to others. And we've seen that one of the great ways that Jesus showed his glory is by coming to earth, dying on a cross so that we might have forgiveness for our sins. It's incredible grace that goes beyond my, my real understanding because I don't deserve it. And then there's this book of Revelation that, that's weird, right? If you've read it, if you've tried to read the book of Revelation in the Bible, it, it's complicated it's full of symbols. The colors mean things. The numbers mean things. But we don't know what they are because we're not Jewish people that lived in the first century. And so you're like, huh, thousand, huh, seven, huh, red, huh, blue. You know, like, what am I supposed to do with this? Why are there dragons? You know, none of the other New Testament books have dragons. What am I supposed to make of all of this? And what happens in this book, to this book, is that it is either analyzed to death in an academic kind of way, like, well, this means this, and this means this, and this means this, or it's ignored altogether. But what's so sad to me about the book of Revelation, a book that I actually love, is that we miss the incredible message and, and frankly, the incredible application that it can have for our lives. So let me tell you about the book of Revelation in just a few minutes here. The book of Revelation starts with a man named John. And John gets this vision of Jesus. This like very magnificent, glorious vision. And it teaches us really about just how awesome and glorious Jesus is. And then there's two chapters where he's talking to churches in the area, and some of them he's encouraging, and some of them he's rebuking, and some of them he is encouraging and rebuking. But he's talking to these churches, and then this wild vision that we think of when we think of the book of Revelation begins. And I think the point of it all, I think the point of it all is to say it's worth it. Let me tell you just a, a little bit about uh, 
John. John is a man who in uh, second and third John refers to himself as the elder. And that's probably a, a technical term, a little, but it's probably also like, like a term, how we use the term elder. Like this is a man that's seen it all. John was a man that knew Jesus while Jesus walked the earth. He followed Jesus, hung out with Jesus, watched Jesus teach, watched Jesus do miracles, did ministry with Jesus for about three years of his life. At the end of that three years, he sees Jesus killed on a cross. It's bad. He huddles in a room, and Jesus comes back to life. Incredible moment. And you think, well, there's a happy ending, but we forget about what takes place after that for John. John and his friends, the other followers of Jesus that we call the disciples, they start going everywhere that they know to go to tell people about how Jesus had died and Jesus had risen again. And if people would believe that and give their lives to Jesus, then they could be forgiven for their sins and they could spend eternity in heaven. And so it still seems like a happy ending, but it's not. John is arrested. John is beaten for doing these very things. John is arrested again. History tells us that then, after a while, John running around telling people about Jesus is finally boiled and lives through it because he refuses to stop telling people that Jesus had died and then come back to life. John survives it. But all of John's other friends are being killed by the government and by Jewish leaders because they refuse to stop telling people about Jesus. I mean, this guy's best friends, his ministry partners, are being murdered one after another because they keep telling people that Jesus is the Savior of the world and people should give their lives to him. But John won't stop telling people about Jesus. And John is sent to the island of Patmos, this island that I have a picture of for you. He's sent to this island, either because he's in prison or just because it gets him away from the general population. Because they don't want him telling people about Jesus. And now as an older man, he's out on this island and he receives this incredible vision. And the vision just says it's worth it. But I want you to think about who he is. Just think, just pause, just picture this older guy. I mean, he might be like really old or he might be middle-aged old, but he's, he's an older man now. And all of his friends have died. He can't tell people about Jesus because he's living in a cave. And he has to be wrestling with, is it worth it? And he knows that these churches that he's ministered to for years, they're not on this island with him, but they're about to face the question, is it worth it? Because persecution is going to ramp up. People are going to die for the Christian faith in mass. And they're all going to wrestle with a single question, is it worth it? If somebody looks at me and says, if you will renounce your faith, if you will say Jesus did not really get out of the grave, then we won't kill you and your children. What am I going to do? Is it worth it? And the book of Revelation has, it's written, it's written so that the people can know what's coming next. But in Revelation 1, 2, it says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it. Because the time is near. 
so the book of Revelation does this awesome thing for us. It peels back the curtain of heaven. There's these, these scenes in Revelation where, where, where heaven, the curtain, is peeled back. And we get a glimpse into what eternity will look like. And in the middle of all this, we see this, this passage where, where all of a sudden God is showing John these people who have been killed for their faith. They're martyrs. They've actually died for saying that Jesus died for people's sins and then rose again. They've been killed for it. Probably, we would surmise from history, brutal, horrible deaths that we don't even want to think about or imagine this close to Christmas. And the curtains peeled back. And here's what they say. These people who are sitting in heaven who have been killed for believing in Jesus, they say this, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's a weird thing to say, right? Because they were killed. But when they see eternity, the glorious eternity, they say, it's worth it. Because salvation is found in nobody else. There was nothing else that I should have done or could have done that would have been better than giving up my very life for the sake of Jesus. Because only in Jesus can we find a glorious eternity. And listen, at the end of the book of Revelation, the last two chapters of the book, there's no controversy. Everybody agrees on the last two chapters of the book of Revelation. It's all about what heaven will be like, what it will be like in eternity for those who have given their lives to Jesus, who have accepted his gift of salvation, declared him Lord and said, I will live my entire experience on this earth for him. And this is, this is what it says in Revelation 21, three through four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Notice this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It's crazy. The answer is it's absolutely worth it. Hazel and Hudson, you have my permission from now until this day forward to go and die for Jesus. Not because I'll look forward to that, not because I want it, not because it won't crush me deeper than anything in the world but because I think it's worth it because someday there will be no more tears and there will be no more sorrow and there will be no more pain and there will be no more mourning because of what Jesus has done. And here's what we see. Here's what we've seen and what we see. Jesus, God is glorious. His glory was revealed to us in the person of Jesus, specifically in the death and resurrection of Jesus, the incredible grace that Jesus poured out for humanity. And what we also see is that we who place our faith in that death and resurrection can share in his glory, which is weird and crazy and awesome. Listen to uh, Romans 8, 17 through 18. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. We get to, this is how Paul says it elsewhere, we get to share 
and the glory of God if we'll place our faith in Him. I'm just telling you, when it comes to raising children, when it comes to living your lives, when it comes to making decisions every day about how you'll be a a worker in the workforce, a spouse, how you'll do the things that you do, If you're a Christian, you have to ask, is it worth it? And the answer is always, yes, it's worth it to live for Jesus. But I'll say even more, if you're not a Christian, then you need to ask the question, like, is it worth it to be a Christian, right? Because we have this reputation like, well, you'll never be able to have a drink of alcohol again, and you'll never be able to have fun, and it's just gonna, you're just going to have this horrible, terrible experience on earth if you decide to follow Jesus, which actually isn't true but uh, like you still have to ask the question is it worth it and I just want you to know this Christmas that it's absolutely worth it because if you if you don't choose to give your life to Jesus there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth but if you do choose to give your life to Jesus then there will be no more weeping or tears or sorrow And so what I need you to understand this Christmas Eve, this Christmas, is God is glorious. God has expressed that glory to us, specifically in the person of Jesus. And if we embrace that, we get to spend eternity in glory with him. And so what you need to understand is this. You ought to leave here and go glorify God because it's absolutely worth it. I'm going to pray that you'll do just that. Lord Jesus, I pray that that nobody here would spend another Christmas not loving you, not embracing you, God. Not giving their lives to you. I pray, God, for uh, those of us who are Christians, we can just act like such regular people. We can just go through our lives not actually living any differently because, God, I think we don't think it's worth it. It's easier, God, to take shortcuts and to be a little dishonest and to cheat a little bit, God, so that we can move forward. But you're worth it, God, because you're glorious and you allow for us to share in that glory. And so I pray, God, that we would glorify you because we get to share in your glory. I pray, God, that we would all have an incredible Christmas But I don't think Christmas can be truly incredible for anybody that doesn't know the hope and the peace and the the glory that you offer. And so I pray that they would have it. And I ask these things in your holy name. Amen.